Want to learn how to leverage your marketing to get clients on repeat? Charge a fee that leaves you with money in your pocket even after you've finished paying your bills? And finally, stop working with the clients that you've long outgrown? Liberated Business is a transformational program that combines group and one-on-one work so you get the best results possible. This differs from every other program out there because it helps you make money while supporting your joy and liberation throughout your entrepreneurial journey. Liberated Business starts this June and runs through November, and enrollment is open now. Visit thebadtherapist.coach liberatedbusiness to get all of the details and sign up. DM me on Instagram at thebadtherapist with any questions or to learn more. I cannot wait to get started with you. Imagine you are a person with this particular problem and you are looking for help. When you land on this person's website, is it clear that they can help you? Are they talking about your particular issue or is it buried in a lot of information about them? Or is it buried in a bunch of different specialties or their credentials? Remember, you're the person looking for help, and primarily therapy clients want to know one thing more than anything else, which is, can you help me with my problem? They care about that literally more than anything else. And if your website can clearly make a case that you are the person for this job, you are the person to help them with this issue, then they are going to be more likely to reach out to you. Hey there, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show, the podcast for current and aspiring private practice therapists who want to earn more money, work less, and have a way bigger impact. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist, former goody-goody therapist turned six-figure private practice owner and therapist business coach. I'm here to help you learn everything you need to know about private practice and expanding beyond the one-to-one model so you can earn more money and increase your impact as a therapist without burning out or hustling. Using my proven liberated business method, therapists at all stages of business have been able to grow their income while becoming even better therapists. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. It's time for you to get your time back and enjoy being a therapist again. You ready? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist. Today, I'll be sharing one practice that you can use to immediately improve your website so that it's more compelling to your ideal clients. This is something that I share with all of my private clients, and it's a great place to start if you're wondering why people are landing on your website, but they're not actually taking the step of booking a consultation. Let's get into it. Websites can be a really scary thing for therapists. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to make it perfect. We can have a really hard time pushing that publish button. But my approach to websites is really to let it grow and change over time. Having a website is better than having no website. And so if you've been hesitating to get out there and actually make your website, I really just want to encourage you to go for it. I think at bare minimum, it's a really great asset to have. That way you have a place to direct people to. A website is basically the equivalent of a business card in today's time. So it's just a really great resource to have, even if all it literally says is your name, where you're located, what your fee is, what your specialty is, and a way for people to contact you. I would say that those are the core elements of a website that you need more than anything else. It kind of, again, takes the place of a business card. Once you have that in place, you can go through the practice I'm about to share with you to begin to improve it even more. 
And if your website isn't performing well, or you're having people come to your website, but they're not actually clicking through to fill out a form or book a consultation or call you, this would be a great way to do a sort of audit on your website to see what maybe isn't working and what adjustments you can make. So let's get into the practice right now. In order to do this, you're going to need maybe about an hour of your time, and it's ideal to have a spreadsheet. You can just open a Google Sheet, or if you don't want to do that, you can take notes by hand. I do think it's really nice to have everything um, in a clickable spreadsheet that's easy to use. So that's my recommendation. Set aside an hour of time, open up a Google Sheet, and get ready to have fun because I think this practice is actually quite a lot of fun. So what you're going to do is you're going to look up a total of 10 websites and five of those are going to be of therapists who are in your area. If you live in a metropolitan area, you're probably going to have lots of choices. If you live in a more rural area, you might have to make your circle a little bit bigger in terms of what therapists you're looking for, what areas you're searching in. Similarly with a specialty Um, you might have to widen your circle a little bit, but as much as possible, look up other therapists in your area who have a similar specialty to you or the same specialty. You will be looking up a total of 10 therapists, but I want the first five to be in your local area and with a similar or overlapping specialty. Next, I want you to get into the mindset of a potential client, of your ideal client. Uh, the people that you want to work with, the people you want to attract, the people that you want to convert into paying therapy clients. I want you to get into that person's mindset. And as I've said on this podcast before, there's even a possibility that your ideal client is a version of yourself, maybe a version of who you were several years back, because oftentimes we do specialize in something in our therapy practices that's very near and dear to our hearts. So this, this may actually be quite easy to sort of get into the mindset of what a client who was dealing with this issue might be feeling and thinking and looking for. So imagine that you're a client who is seeking therapy services for this particular problem. Now, whenever you go to a therapist's website, I want you to see how quickly you can tell if this is the right person for you or not. Imagine you are a person with this particular problem and you are looking for help. When you land on this person's website, Is it clear that they can help you? Are they talking about your particular issue or is it buried in a lot of information about them or is it buried in a bunch of different specialties or their credentials? Remember, you're the person looking for help and primarily therapy clients want to know one thing more than anything else, which is, can you help me with my problem? They care about that literally more than anything else. And if your website can clearly make a case that you are the person for this job, you are the person to help them with this issue, then they are going to be more likely to reach out to you. So imagining yourself as this client, is it easy for you to tell that this person is the right therapist for you? Or are you thrown off? Does it feel sort of unclear? And note what's contributing to how you answer this question. If the answer is yes, what about their website is making it really clear that they'd be the person to help you? If the answer is no, or sort of kind of, Note the elements that are giving you that impression. Is it that the website has tons of text and it's actually hard to read? Is it, again, that the specialty or the problem that you're looking for help for is actually buried in a mound of 20 other things? So note particularly what is impacting you and leading you to feel like, yeah, this person gets me. They can help me versus I'm really not sure. 
Now continue to do that with a bunch of different websites, and it'll be really interesting when you compare them to each other, you'll really get to highlight, oh, this is what's actually making a difference. Wow, on this website, I'm really getting the sense that this person can help me, but on this one, I'm really not. And so notice what the differences are between those two websites, because that's going to be really great information for you to have when you're tweaking your own website, or maybe even just in the building process if you don't have one yet. The next question to ask is how clear and easy is it for me to take the next step? What is the next step that as a potential client you would be taking? Are you going to be filling out a form? Are you going to be sending an email? Are you going to be calling? Are you going to be booking a consultation? As the potential client, how easy is it to take that next step? How clear is it? Are opportunities to take that next step in various places on the website, or do you have to click back several times in order to find that button or find that phone number? How readily available is it and how straightforward is the process? I would recommend that on your website, there is only one action the client needs to take in order to move forward in the process. I think it would be confusing if we're telling them to make a phone call or fill out a form or to book a consultation. I think it would probably be most helpful to have one route for the client to take. Now, of course, this is your party. You can do it how you want, but that would be my suggestion. The next question to ask yourself is, do I like this website? Is it easy to navigate? Is it fun to be on? Do I want to stay here? Do I feel a sense of ick or do I feel a sense of warmth? Am I curious? Is it a website I actually want to interact with or as soon as I land, do I want to bounce off? And once again, always keep track of the elements that are contributing to how you feel about these websites either way. Notice what you like or dislike about the aesthetics in terms of the colors, the fonts, the use of imagery. And remember, again, that you are looking at this from the perspective as a client, and it could be really easy to kind of switch gears again and be looking at it from the perspective of the therapist. But I really do want you as much as possible to stay in the mindset of a therapy seeker. So again, you as a therapist might look at this and think, oh, I really like that. But are you looking at it from the client perspective or are you looking at it from the therapist's perspective? As much as possible, try to stay in that mode and maybe even think of yourself as probably somebody without a background in therapy, right? Because even though therapists go to therapy, unless you're actually specializing in working with therapists probably the bulk of your clients are going to come from outside of the field and they just don't have the same knowledge and uh, experience that we have. So it's important to try to get in the mindset of someone who is a lay person. Note what this therapist did well and what they need to improve. I think it would be really helpful, even if you're finding a website that you're like, whoa, I really don't like this, to see if you can find one thing that they did well. And I suppose it's always possible that there could be literally nothing where you're like, wow, this website is just broken. This is not good. But I think it could be an interesting thought experiment for you to find one thing that you think this person did well. It may not be something you want to replicate, but it might be like the best thing they did on their website. I want you to learn how to evaluate in a sort of auditing type of way where you're being really curious about your own feelings, your own reactions, and then why you're having those. So I want you to look for the things that this person is doing well, and the things they need to improve. Similarly, if you find a website that you're like, whoa, I am blown away. This website is amazing. I still would like you to look for one thing that you think this person might be able to improve. Again, you want to be discerning here. 
And finally, what elements would you like to replicate on your own website? And what are the things that you've noticed that you want to say, okay, note to self, make sure not to do that. By the end of this practice, you will have a wealth of information that will help inform little changes you can make to your website. You may find that there are some changes that you can do yourself. You may find that there are some things you would like to do on your website that you'll need to hire a professional for. You might decide you want to hire a website designer, or you may decide you want to get some new headshots. All of these things can happen over time. I don't want you to be dissuaded from making changes just because you're in a position where you couldn't make all of them right now. Any improvement is helpful and it will also build your confidence. Remember that this is a sort of living and breathing document. It is going to change over time. So after you've done this practice with 10 therapists who are in your area slash have the same or similar specialty, then I want you to broaden your search and just see what else is out there. Maybe you're going to do a search in a totally different city or totally different part of the country or a different part of your own state. Maybe you're going to look into therapists in general, just what are the top hits for therapists in this location? What do those websites look like? And so you can broaden your search just because I want you to see what else is out there. It could be something going on in your area with your specialty that all the websites kind of look like this. And I just want to give you the opportunity to see something different in case your area and your specialty all have a similar vibe for some reason. You're going to ask yourself the same questions. You're going to keep track of it in the same spreadsheet. And my clients find that this is actually a really fun activity. They end up getting really inspired. And what's so cool about this is that I could sit here and tell you different best practices for how to build a website and things to put on it. And in fact, I have a guest who's coming up who will do just that. But I think there's something really, really helpful in our learning processes for us to just see examples like this, to go out into the world and see, well, what looks really good? What am I attracted to? What do I think um, a website looks like when it's really effective? How am I impacted when I see a website that's lacking in certain areas? You're just going to get so much information so quickly by looking around to see different examples. And in previous episodes, I've talked about keeping your head down and not really looking out in the world to see what other people are doing. So this is a little bit different, actually. I really, really like this practice, and it's different than what I recommend for a lot of other things. And maybe it's because I feel like this is something that is very contained. I'm having you only do this with 10 people. You're not going to do this forever. And this is really just to get you some information to get you started on your own journey towards improving your website. Another resource that I want to share is Building a Story Brand. Uh, This is a book that I've been really enjoying lately, and it's something I've been recommending to all of my private clients. We'll also make sure it's linked here in the show notes. The basic premise is that Brands that are really effective tell a story. And in that story, the client takes the role of the hero and the practitioner or the brand or the product or whatever the thing may be that you know this company is selling. In this case, it's you selling your therapy services. You take the role of being the guide. And as you're looking at therapy websites, I might encourage you to see Is that therapist taking the role of the hero on the website or are they taking the role of a guide? And notice how that impacts you. Notice what it looks like or what it feels like to land on the website where the therapist is somehow presenting themselves as the hero of the story versus the guide. Or are they doing neither? You know, is there is there not really a story? You'll probably find a lot of therapy websites where there isn't actually a story. There's not a narrative arc. 
And the reason why using a narrative arc or having this framework of a story is so effective is because human beings are compelled by stories. I like for marketing to not be super, super heavy on the problem side of things. I think a lot of us are kind of tired of seeing marketing that's just like, you have this problem and it's so terrible. It's so, so bad. And you've got to fix it. Like that in a heavy handed way really sucks. And that's not what I'm recommending. But of course, people are coming to therapy because they do have a problem because something in their lives isn't working. And they want to see in the therapist they're going to hire that that therapist gets it, that they understand the problem and that they have a solution for it. Now, in therapy, of course, we're never claiming that we can quote unquote, fix someone's problems and of course not fix them. But we want to demonstrate that we have a clear understanding of the painful experience our potential clients are having and that we believe we can help them, that this would be a good idea to work with us. And honestly, if we can't be confident about that, then that is maybe some piece of this that we need to work on. If you're, if you don't feel really confident claiming that, then that would be some mindset work I would really encourage you to do because that could be impacting how you're showing up in your marketing if you're still kind of questioning your validity and your ability. I can imagine a lot of us therapists, because many of us are also perfectionists, we are very, very careful about our presentations and how we are in the world. I can imagine a therapist having a fear that's along the lines of, Well, if I'm not absolutely sure I can help everybody, then what business do I have saying I can help anybody, right? We can have that extreme sort of pressure on ourselves of I have to do this perfectly or else I shouldn't really be saying I can do it at all. But I want to remind you here that you, especially if you are licensed, you have thousands upon thousands of experience working with clients, getting supervision, and you have enough experience to say, I believe I can help you with this. Now, you're not guaranteeing certain outcomes. We absolutely cannot do that. But you can talk about likely outcomes. You can talk about, in general, what some clients have experienced. Uh, You can create a sort of, I don't want to use the word avatar, but a composite client and tell that story. Again, you're not going into details. I wouldn't necessarily just pick one client and tell that story, but I would take a step back and I think about, okay, who are the people I've worked with over the years? How did they come in? What was their complaint when they first arrived? What was the work that we did in therapy? And what was the outcome? How were their lives improved? This story arc is one that will be compelling to your potential client. And I've recently taken several of my private clients through this practice where I've had them write some client vignettes. We're talking about What compels the person to come to therapy in the first place? What were the problems they were facing? What were the areas of their life that was causing them pain? What actually happened in therapy? What was the approach this therapist took? Were there a certain set of tools or perspective that they utilized and helped facilitate uh, a process with this client? And then what was the outcome? How did this person's life improve? You want to be able to communicate that transformation on your website That will make it more compelling to potential clients and make it more likely for them to reach out to you, especially if their next step is really clearly delineated on your website and it shows up in multiple places. Another thing I would really like to see on websites that I've noticed isn't on all of them 
is have your location, at least say like your your city and state. I've noticed this on a lot of therapist website that I go to, like sometimes people contact me online and I want to get a sense of who they are and what sort of work they're doing. And I'll go to their websites and it's basically impossible for me to find based on their website where they're actually located. Uh, So you don't necessarily need to put your exact address, especially if you're working out of your home and you're only doing virtual therapy, but like somewhere list your city and state, please. Also, have your fee clearly listed. This is something that a lot of therapists um, kind of grapple with. They're not sure if they want to do it or not, but I'm a huge fan of having your fee clearly listed in pretty much all of your marketing materials. Uh, I don't think that somebody is going to you know, if they have a real problem with your fee, I don't think that having a conversation with you is necessarily going to change that. Like a lot of people think, well, if I can just get them in the intake call and then I'll say my fee and they'll want to do it. I don't think that's a good idea. And in fact, if your concern is that people would not book a consultation call with you because your fee is too high, I don't think that waiting to expose them to what your fee is, is actually going to serve you. In fact, I think that does more harm. If you can expose people to what your fee is earlier on, that gives them an opportunity to get used to seeing that number and really begin to imagine if that is an amount of money they could pay for therapy. Often people will say in a consultation call, once you state your fee, well, I can't afford that. And oftentimes that's not actually true. What's actually going on is that person came into this call imagining that they would pay a certain amount of money for therapy and you set a number that was higher than that. They haven't actually evaluated whether or not they can afford more. It's just that there's a discrepancy between their expectation and reality. And the knee-jerk reaction is, I can't afford this. Therefore, if you can expose people to your fee sooner rather than later, that will give them the opportunity to sit with that and begin to evaluate if they could do it or not. And they may choose, in fact, not to make that consultation call. But if they do, there's a higher likelihood that when you say your fee out loud on the consultation call, it wouldn't be their first time being exposed to it, and they may have done some of that work ahead of time. So again, include your fee on your website. I think this is a great practice to have. Uh, They're going to find out anyway, so they may as well know sooner than later. Another thing to consider when building your website or tweaking your website, and I've already said this, is that your website primarily exists as a piece of marketing material. The purpose of it, the primary purpose is to attract ideal clients, create a compelling reason for them to reach out to you and to facilitate that process. That is the main purpose. Yes, it should be an expression of you to an extent, but a lot of us get hung up on creating a website that we're like, well, I like this or I don't like this. And we can get a little too attached to the website being an expression of us. And remember, in this arc, your client is the hero. The story is actually about them. The story is not really about you. So your website needs to appeal to that person. Now, I can already imagine some of you hearing this and thinking, okay, great. Well, then I better find out exactly the right fonts and exactly the right colors that are going to speak to my ideal client. And oh, no, how do I even do that? Calm down. You don't have to do all of that. I don't want you to get bogged down in those details. I still think that you should move forward, but I do think that it's important for you to balance creating a website that you like with one that's going to be compelling to your clients. Don't get bogged down in the nitty gritty details of having the exact right colors and the exact right fonts. 
This is going to be an iterative process. So again, having something rather than nothing is better. Uh, Making some tweaks and seeing how those land and if your website starts to convert more clients will be better than spending months and months and months angsting over fonts. It's just not a great use of your time. One caveat to making tweaks on your website is to consider SEO. Now, if you have not been using SEO as a strategy for your website, if you've not invested time or money into that and you just made your own website and you're not really sure if anything is happening in terms of SEO, if it's really working for you there, then I I wouldn't necessarily have any concerns about you going onto your website and messing with it and changing it and tweaking it. If you have made some big investments in SEO, uh, whether it's through your own uh, effort, you've learned about SEO and you've made some changes or you've paid someone else to do it, then you should uh, maybe pause before making some of these changes to see if they would impact your SEO. Now, if you've done it yourself, then you you know what you did and you know what you didn't do. So you should have some sense of what elements you can change without affecting SEO, or maybe you're going to make some changes that would improve your SEO. But if you paid someone else to do this, I would maybe contact them first and see how you're doing, first of all. Hopefully, there's a way for you to track this. Um, Google Search Console is a way to uh, track your SEO performance. That can be really helpful. Um, But if you don't have that already, I would sign up for it. I might contact the person who did SEO work on your website and consult with them to see, all right, well, some of these things aren't working well on my website. My website's not converting. I'd like to make some of these changes. What could I what could I make that wouldn't harm me in terms of SEO? What changes could I make? So that's a caveat if you've done work in terms of SEO on your website. If you haven't, then I say go for it. You haven't built up SEO ranking, so there's really nothing to break here. When I'm talking with my clients about websites, this is a conversation we have. I talk about how websites can be a really powerful marketing tool being used as an SEO strategy. But that's like a very technical approach. Usually you're going to invest a lot of time and or money in that process. And so that is an option. But a lot of people are like, I'm not in the place where I do want to devote that much time, money or energy into that. I'm really just using my website as this virtual business card. And I'm linking to it from my Psychology Today profile or from my Instagram account or I'm sending it to colleagues. And I'm not really using SEO as a strategy. It's more like a place that gets linked to. And if I'm lucky, it shows up in search results, but that's not really the game I'm playing. If you're more in that category, then I just say like, go for it with your website, make any changes you want. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really love this practice of the website audit. It's been really fun to do for myself My clients really enjoy it and it leaves you with some really actionable things that you can shift on your own website to make it perform better and just feel more confident about the work that you're creating in the world. Again, I encourage you to check out Brand Story. I think that will be a really helpful addition to your process around not just improving your website, but improving your messaging and all of your marketing materials. So go to that. It's linked in my bio. Next week, we'll be joined by website designer Sarah Bussey of Magdalene Designs. And she will share her own best tips for what to have on a homepage so that your clients will actually convert and fill out those forms and call you and book those consultations. So make sure to tune in for that. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. So please leave a review and a five-star rating if you found this helpful. And don't forget to come say hi to me on Instagram. I'm at the bad therapist. That's 
at the underscore bad underscore therapist. I'll see you next week. That's all today for The Bad Therapist Show. Thanks so much for hanging with me. I hope you got some gems that you can start using right away in your own business so that you can break out of good therapist conditioning and build the business that you want. If you've gotten something out of this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with one of your good therapist friends who really needs to hear it. And while you're at it, please consider leaving a rating and or review so that we can change not just our individual businesses, but transform the mental health system that got us here in the first place. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week for more private practice and coaching tips. Remember, bad therapists make the best therapists.